0: Good morning and welcome to Zero Today. I am your humble host, Pastor Lorenzo Neal, hailing from Cajun Land, USA, here to present you with seeds of wisdom, insight, inspiration, empowerment, and liberation. We are promoting a knowledge that is engaging and transforming and is our responsibility for, for us. Every day we try to do, every time we come on the air, to help you, our listeners, to empower you, our listeners to knowing and impacting the world around you so that you can change lives of others. We're sowing seeds for you to do that. And as always, you can join us on this illuminating journey. There are several ways you can do that. Uh, The main way you can do it is you want to get your voice on the air live. You can call the number 347-237-5230. That is the number that you can call to get your thoughts, inspiration, whatever commentary Live on the air, the chat room is, is uh, open, so you can go to blogtalkradio.com and uh, click in on the chat room if you want to share your thoughts there. That's available. Also, you can go to our Facebook page, Zero Network on Facebook. That is open, and you can leave your commentary there. Have you choose to do so, we invite you to do it. And you are welcome, 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 and we're excited, excited, excited uh that you are sharing this show with us we got a lot we're going to be talking about today uh primary topic is the problem of single pastors of which i am one and we're going to be talking about that particularly in uh response to uh bishop noel jones uh commentary that he made uh a long ago regarding his long-term relationship with his girlfriend and we're going to talk about that also, we're also going to be talking a little bit about the incident in Ferguson, Missouri. Uh, it is a, uh, I don't even really know how to describe it, but I'm going to talk about it from several uh, perspectives. And you can share that also if you like. Uh, we'd be glad to talk about that. And those are the two main things we'll be discussing in this hour, uh, the time that we have allotted to us. And as always, we have some funny quirks and headlines that we'd like to share with you. Uh, and the time that we have together. But before we go any further, um, I would like if you would join us in a word of prayer. God, we thank you for today. We thank you for your grace and mercy, for your loving kindness is better than life. For every good and every perfect gift uh, that you allowed and provided for, we pray, God, that you would just be with us and let the words by our mouth and the meditations by our heart be acceptable in your sight, Lord our Rock and Redeemer. Now we thank you in thy name, Amen. All right, so let's go through some some of the headlines for today, and uh, I'm gonna do a funny one. Well, I think it's funny, but it may not be funny to you. Um, as we all know, we have heard about the Ebola breakout um, that's been going on in uh, on the coast and the Ivory Coast in Sierra Leone, Liberia, uh, the Congo, and places like that in Africa, and you know it's been it's been it's been a hard one to digest for the world because uh of several things that have happened, but some have uh, there have been some some, uh, some medicines medications that have been uh that is has not been uh tested, i guess human, but they've experimented drugs, they've gotten over there, and it seemed to have contained the virus to some degree uh I'm not sure exactly. But, of course, uh, if you've been following the news, there have been some American doctors who were flown out of Africa, flown to uh, the Emory Hospital in in Atlanta, given the experimental drugs, and seem to have been uh, recovering very well. And so they have also made that available and accessible to other places in Africa where uh, people have been very uh, suffering from it. But, you know, as church folks, we always got something. You know, in between the the churches in Africa, some churches in Africa who have been uh, supposedly laying hands, believing strictly by laying of hands people will be healed uh, from the Ebola virus. There's one who stands out of the crowd, and that happens to be an African pastor, a millionaire pastor, by the name of uh, TB Joshua. I can't pronounce his first name. I think it's like Topa or something like that. But uh T V Joshua, he's a mega church pastor, one of the wealthiest pastors in uh, uh in Africa. And um he claims to have the gift of faith healing. So and because he has the gift of faith healing, he actually has access to divine things, including access to holy water. And in his access to holy water he patented it, by the way, he has a patent on his holy water so nobody else can copy it. Uh, He allegedly, reportedly, flew out um, 4,000 bottles of his patented holy water to to some West African countries. Now, (laughs) this was sent on a plane load to Sierra Leone, and it was sent uh, because he just knew that his anointed bottles of holy water uh, when a person came in contact with the holy water, they would be healed. Now, he sent 4,000 bottles of his patented holy water at a cost of 50000 uh, and $50,000 $50, in cash. He sent that to uh, uh, the people in Sierra Leone. And that, I guess that's a noble thing. I mean, he sent money. Money is always good. And as an added incentive, he sent his patented holy water... Which is also good. But he sent it on a private jet. That cost $50,000 to charter. So. Well. I'm just. You. <laughs> I, I I just reported it. I'm just reporting it. This guy. I don't. I. You know. I'm glad he sent the money. I don't know about all the other stuff. But. um, Yeah. More power to. uh The good pastor for. Sending the good money. As well as the good uh, the good bottles of holy water. So, hey, I guess that's a wonderful thing. That's a wonderful thing. But in other news, if you have not known, um, uh, Bishop T.D. Jakes is celebrating a milestone in ministry. He's celebrating his 35th anniversary in ministry. And BET honored him. Uh, for 35 years in ministry, he started his church in in 1980 in Charleston, West Virginia, with 10 members, and it grew to uh, uh, close to mega church status. Never really reached that, but by the time he left uh, Virginia in 1996 or 90, yeah, 96, and he relocated himself and 50 other families. To the Dallas area to found the Potter's house and the small church in uh, in uh, West Virginia. No long uh, I don't even know if it exists now. But where he couldn't produce there, he has greatly out out produced in Dallas. And now you know went from you know started with ten members and now he has excess of thirty thousand members uh, in several locations. One main campus in Dallas, a campus in Fort Worth, another campus somewhere in the uh, metro area, uh, and camp, campus in Denver, Denver, Colorado. And so um, they honored him with a special on BET on this past Sunday, following the the Sunday's best. And you know, and I'm not knocking. I'm not knocking. I'm not knocking what they did. Uh, my problem with it maybe is. You know, and before y'all say I'm hating, I'm not hating. Not hating at all. Um, You know, you didn't honor some of the great preachers the way you're honoring T.D. Jakes. And T.D. Jakes has amassed a fortune. And he's amassed that fortune uh, in a couple of ways, but primarily by way of his church. And for some reason, uh, they think that because he is bishop jakes he, he's got his talk show he's got uh he's got all kinds of ministries going on he's got all these things going on that somehow he is different from every other preacher who exists today somehow his being in ministry uh 34 35 years is more significant than the others who are who have been in ministry a quarter of a century longer in a him, you know. I think about people like, um, oh boy, H. Beecher Hicks in, in the Washington, D.C. area. Uh, I think about people like C. Um, uh, uh, oh man, I can't even think of it. I mean, I could think about a, a plethora of pastors who should be honored. For for greater things, you know, than and, than Bishop James. Not taken away from his ministry, uh, but think about, and I know people. Some some people just hated this this preacher Jeremiah Wright. I mean, they just hated him, detested him. But Jeremiah Wright was part. Uh, a pastor uh, you know, a pastor esteemed among brethren. Uh, And there's so many others, Forbes, who pastored at Riverside, the Riverside Church. Um, I could go on and on uh, 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 about pastors who who exemplified the work of the church and yet were, you know, never received the type of accolades that BDT has has done for Bishop Jakes. Now, Now, I don't want to take away from it, but, you know. I know y'all gonna say, well, you know, you should give honor to whom honor is due, but is honor is that much honor really due him? You know, what makes him so special a whole television network should, you know, take the time out to honor him? Every pastor gets, I'm not gonna say every pastor, but most pastors get appreciation. I get one. I, I, you know, I don't, I don't, I don't set aside a date for mine. I could care less sometimes, and my members hate it. They, they despise the fact, like, right now, you know, the the person over with my uh pastor's aide <laughs> said, Pastor, we don't know what we're going to do about your your appreciation. I said, you don't have to do anything. Y'all appreciate me every time I get a check. That's your appreciation to me. You know, I live off the church. So the gifts of the church support my life to the point where I'm able to live comfortably and serve the church, do the work of the church. So, that's appreciation. Now if y'all stop paying for me then we <laughs> will talk. No, I'm just kidding, I'm just kidding. But I'd like to hear your thoughts about that. You know, uh what that uh what was it kinda far fetching to do something special for T. D. Jakes and not recognize the other Zimbabwe pastors who are serving their communities and yes, they may be getting appreciations and anniversaries or something like that, but uh they don't have the fame affiliated with uh to the level of T D. Jakes uh, that's something I, I don't want. To, but hey, I'm just sharing that with you. Uh, 35 years is is a wonderful, wonderful thing, and I know how it is. Uh, oh, I was thinking about Pastor Otis Moss Jr. Otis Moss Jr. out of Ohio, uh, one of the premier pastors and civil rights leaders uh, of this generation, and his son who followed in the uh, followed behind uh, Pastor uh, Dr. Jeremiah Wright. At, uh, Trinity in Chicago, I, I think those two are noteworthy also. Uh, so Hey, yeah, I just thought I'd share that with you. I'm going to take a quick break, and on the side, on, when we come back from the break, we're going to talk a little bit about the incident in Ferguson, and I'll share some of my thoughts and other things. Oh, well, before I do this, uh, uh, before I do this, I know the ICE Challenge is getting popular. I know a lot of people are doing the ICE Challenge. Yana Van Zant did it. Uh, Oprah Winfrey has done it, several uh other personalities have done it. And, you know, I, I it's it's crazy, it's funny, whatever it may be, uh, you know, it it's very popularity. And I'm I'm trying to break away from all these trends and challenges because, you know, it's easy to get trapped in it and before long you you know, you're becoming just Like everybody else, but uh, I salute those of you who are doing this in support of whatever organization you're doing it. Uh, The greater part of it is supporting the ALS, ALS research and things of nature, um, Lou Gehrig disease, uh, all of that. But there are a lot of persons uh, locally who are doing it. There are a lot of people doing it for local organizations, local uh, uh, charitable organizations, and I applaud all of you who are doing it. I applaud all of you who are accepting. The challenge, you know, or just donating because you don't want, like me, don't be throwing no ice over me. <laughs> I'll give you money. <laughs> I have not been challenged, and I don't want anybody to call me out because I won't do it. I ain't gonna do it. I don't care who's celebrity celebrity is doing it. I ain't gonna do it. No, I'm just kidding. But uh, uh, Oprah's done it. Many others are doing doing it, and um, if you're doing it. I saw a video of a guy. Now, this, if, if I were to do it, I'd go all out. And I saw a video of this guy uh, who was doing it, and he had a front loader, uh, you know, a tra- tractor with front loader that usually uh, dumps dirt, whatever. They loaded that up with uh, the ice, you know, and he he laid on, and they just dumped that all over man. And I said, now, that is how you do it, you know. And then there are plenty of other videos. Uh there's a... Uh, I uh, I think where was it? Um there's so many videos where people are doing it. But, but it raised from what I understand, the one the one that is doing it for the ALS, I think it's raised close to four or five million dollars already in uh in so many months. So that's a phenomenal, phenomenal feat. Uh and again I just wanna come uh, command. I commend uh the one and I think it was a football player who initiated it and then he in in put challenges out to it. But either way either way, um it is what it is. Don't be calling me out. Anything like that. So uh like I said, we're gonna take a quick break and um on the back side of the break we're gonna talk about this Ferguson incident and then uh, at the bottom of the hour we'll be getting to the bulk of our topic with a uh, single the problem of single pastors and I really want to hear your thought about that I'm going to share some things with that about that because like I say I I am one and it's only fair for me to uh to do so so but anyway if you want to get your thoughts in the phrase in, in commentary whatever it may be on the air you can do so we're available uh the lines are open and uh we're ready to hear from you and as soon as I can get this thing working we will take a, a break because it doesn't seem like it won't be work I just love technology sometimes and one this is not one of those times that I love it <laughs> all right live 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 technology 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 so I just keep talking until this gets right and we go I, I think I'm getting close to getting it right but anyway, I'm rambling on, rambling on, rambling on, trying to get this right. Uh, Let's see here. Alright, there we go. Let me, we're going to take this break. And on the flip side of the break, we will be coming back. To share some insight And peel them. Kids love cuties because cuties are made for kids. At Farmers, we make you smarter about insurance because what you don't know can hurt you. What if you didn't know that posting your travel plans online may attract burglars? Off to Hawaii. What if you didn't know that as the price of gold rises, so should the coverage on your jewelry? Ah. What if you didn't know that kitty litter can help you out of a slippery situation? The more you know, the better you can plan for what's ahead. Talk to farmers and get smarter about your insurance. We are farmers. Bum, da, da, bum, 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 bum. At the University of Arkansas Pine Bluff, I'm part of a place where I'm always challenged to do more. I am a part of a place where I can be involved. I'm a part of a place where everything is possible. I'm part of a place where champions are made. At the University of Arkansas at Pine Bluff, you can get an affordable education with competitive degree offerings, diverse student population, and stellar faculty. Become part of a place where you can get everything you need to succeed. Become a part of the pride at the University of Arkansas at Pine Bluff. It was the best day. It was the best day. a great pair, a great pair. Huh? Progressive and the great outdoors. We make a great pair. Right. Totally. Uh, that's what I was thinking. All kinds of vehicles, all kinds of savings. Multi-policy discounts from Progressive. Call or click today. Listening to Zera Today with Pastor Lorenzo Neal. Day again. I am your host, Pastor Lorenzo Neal, and we're going to be talking about the problem of the single pastor later on in the in the bottom of the hour. Um, and uh, as, as we go into this part of the se- this segment here, we're going to be talking. Uh, I want to share a little bit of my insight, uh, well, my commentary about the issue in Ferguson. But before that, I do that. Uh, there was something I wanted to share before I went to the break, and I I couldn't bring it up because you know the technology. But um, I got some good news. I, I I love when I find good news about the church. I love when I find popular pastors doing something other than being popular, uh, you know. And this is the case that I came across uh, recently uh, as I saw a video of Pastor E. Dewey Smith. And if you're not familiar with E. Dewey Smith, he's one of the rising stars in the black church, uh, black preaching. And I've heard him, I've seen him preach plenty of times Uh had the chance to meet him on occasion, and brother's bad. Brother's bad. Uh, he's a wonderful preacher, a teacher, and uh, just a wonderful person overall. But just recently, I, I'm not sure when it happened either, this past Sunday or Sunday before, during one of his services, uh, a man uh, went into cardiac arrest during the service. And, uh, you know, he was, he was able to test his. Smith was able to notice it from his uh, vantage point and he, uh, you know, protocol was followed where uh, they have a wonderful protocol in their church and the nursing staff was there and they were doing their EMTs came in and all this was happening as he was preaching and he stopped his sermon. He stopped his sermon to begin to uh, invoke the people to pray. For that, the man that was uh, uh, all was really fighting during the church service, and, and the man was struggling. The, the, the paramedics were performing CPR, and the man uh, he stopped breathing. And uh, Pastor Smith led the congregation in prayer, and had his ministers out in, in prayer also. And uh, the man had died, and you know they were. He, he, his, his heart stopped and but before the service was, uh before that, that, uh, the service was over, he uh, matter of fact before uh, shortly after the people began to pray, they were able to resuscitate him and bring him back and um, and of course as a result the people uh, erupted in the shouts of joy and dancing because of this. Now this is what I love and this is the kind of thing that is not on and this is the kind of stuff that's not shown. A report. I don't know if it was reported locally uh, in the local media or not, but I'm glad that it was, you know, I found the clip at, uh, on uh, the Old Black Church blog, and you can go there to see the clip in its entirety. It's called the Old Black Church. Uh, go to www.oldblackchurch.blogspot.com and you can see the clip in its entirety. And I applaud Pastor E. Dewey Smith because One, he led the people in prayer. He admonished them to pray. He had faith. He spoke into the situation, and he shared. He shared. He said that the 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 Satan said to him that uh, I'm going to make your sanctuary a mortuary, and he said, No, this is a sanctuary. We're in the sanctuary, and this is not a mortuary. And he should live. He should live. And I want to applaud Pastor Dewey uh, Smith for that. I wish we had more pastors, and I know we do. I've been in uh, I've, I, you know, critical times of prayer. I've seen some miracles happen just as a result of the people praying in service. So I know what God can do, and I'm just glad that, that clip has been shared. Uh, I'm going to share it on my Facebook page, um, but if you want to see it live, you can see it. It's just amazing to know that God still moves that way. For anybody who doubts whether God can move, whether people can be raised from the dead, where people can be healed from any type of sickness, or uh, in the case of uh, this young man, this person, he's a living witness that God can do it. I'm a living. I'm a living witness that God can can do uh, miracles and, and things like that. I know a lot of people that that uh, can testify to that same thing. So I just wanted to share that. Uh, Share that before I go into my uh, dialogue regarding the um, Ferguson, Missouri. I've, I've been saying Mississippi since this thing happened <laughs> in Ferguson, Missouri. So let so let let's just go ahead and segue into this this incident. I'm going to be honest with you. I am disappointed. I'm disappointed at 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 the spin the media has been trying to give uh, put on this incident. I'm disappointed at the, uh, uh, the prognosticators who are, who are assuming things and and reporting uh, reporting non-facts, reporting um, not reporting facts, but your hearsay and other commentary as fact. I'm very disappointed at the, the agitators in this in both sides, you know, the police and as well as those who are uh, from coming out of the community who are who are causing all kinds of shame and all kinds of, of damaged property, I, 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 it grieves me it grieves me that this is happening now and I've been trying to uh, you know I've been trying to see. I've been trying to to gain insight into why this is happening now. Why are these people, why are these young black people doing that? And a friend of mine, Romel Toon, and you can find him on Facebook. He's an author. He's a wonderful speaker. And he wrote something that was very interesting and insightful, along as I spoke last last week about uh, uh, another brother of mine, uh, Dr. Michael Waters, Pastor of Joy Tabernacle AME Church in Dallas, uh, also author. Uh, both of these are authors. Both of these are ministers of God, men of God who I greatly admire. Uh, and both of their perspectives have helped shape mine and put it in a bit of perspective. Where, Because we're all from the same generation, we, we kind of share some of the same insight. But Ramal uh, uh Dr. Thun put this this way. Uh, the reason this is continuing to happen at night is because you have young black men Will finally getting some attention. The attention that they would not normally get from media, they're getting. And as long as the media stays there, they are going to continue to uh, behave in a manner that will draw attention to them. They're not caring about getting arrested. They're not caring about doing damage to someone else's business. It's not theirs. You know, once the media leave they're going to go back to being silent. Not silent as far as the act, not only silent as far as the action of protesting and looting and rioting, they're going to be going back to being silent in existence. The only people who would notice them are the people in the community who are afraid of them. And that, that fear is not the kind of attention that they want. They, they might, you know, these guys... Some of them might be thugs. Some of them may be thugs. Some of them may not be thugs. Some of them just have a, a deep angst because they don't understand why sometimes they seem like they're targeted. And I don't care how much American and the media tries to put a spin on it, black men are always targeted. I've talked about it. And I shared it in my sermon last week. You know, I've been a target of being black. I walked in. I I'll never forget. I walked into a Joseph Banks store once. And, yes, I mentioned in the store because they should know it. I walked into the store, and I had money. I knew what I wanted to buy. But I had one of the salespersons. When I walked into the store, not one salesperson even said a word to me. Not one. About four minutes later, a white couple walks in, and, you know, and they went out of their way to acknowledge that person. And as I'm over here still in the store, still shopping, And not one time did I get attention from that store, one of those, any other store personnel. Not one time did they ask if I needed any help or anything. Now, and and eventually, I purchased uh, a shirt. Uh, I actually purchased a couple of things. And it kind of shamed, I guess, the shamed the salesperson. I said all that to say, and yes, probably that analogy isn't as, 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 as bad or probably is not as as rough as the analogy with Michael, as the incident with Michael Brown is not is not the same. By no means is the same. The the yeah, the the thing I want to, the thought I want to convey is the fact that being black is still uh, is still uh, uh, an issue for a lot of people. But when a black man enters <laughs> enters a building, and I still get this sometimes, you know. Sometimes they're intimidated just by the fact that we have to be in the elevator together. It's sad. Uh, I go to meetings because I'm affiliated with the Republican Party. Sometimes I would go and um, still get that little issue like, why are you here? Kind of thing. you know. Uh, and I've been, a, I've been in white churches and experienced that, that kind of, why are you here again? You know, we want you here, but we don't want you here. Now, incidentally, with with Michael Brown, and the rioting in particular, Spike Lee spoke to it uh, on a couple... I think it was either yesterday or the day before Spike Lee was interviewed by CNN, and he said, they ought to get the general in there because the general understands... I think General Honoré or something like that understands order. You have uh, police... Uh, a police unit that's that's militarized, and I hate use. I don't really don't prefer using that word, but that's the case. it Has been militarized, and that militarization uh, creates a greater sense of fear for the black residents in that in that area. Now, mind you, I I'm, my perspective is black folk. Y'all just need to be empowered. You're not empowering yourselves, and a lot of them uh, have been asking. You know where's the leadership, and that's the second thing I was I was dismayed by. There is no sense of genuine leadership in their community. Uh, there is no sense of leadership in the protest. Yes, Sharpton and Jackson both came in. They got their photo ops. They they spoke out about it and then they left. They didn't stay. No, I'm I'm quite sure probably because. The more fastly they learned, they sided with all the other folks. He's just another thug, you know. The more they learned about it, he was Michael Brown was just another thug. He, he committed a an, an act of crime, and and as more and more is revealed about his character, just as it was about Trayvon Martin, you know. And there, yes, there may be there may be subtle attempts to discredit his character, but you started off the whole thing started off with a misrepresentation of his character to begin with. You know, the misrepresentation the misrepresentation was that he was a gentle giant, he never bothered anybody, and he was on his way to college. And that was a lie. You know, apparently he had some aggressive issues. That He was a little bit more aggressive than people care to admit. Probably wasn't gang-banging, probably never, never got into a lot of fights, but he was intimidating, and he used his size, he used it, as intimidation as, you know, to be intimidating and it was evident in the video. So that narrative, you know, when you lead off with a a narrative that has a fallacy in it, everything else follows that becomes a fallacy. And that's the problem that we're having with this situation and others like it. When you lead off with a fallacy, the fallacy can never lead to truth. And truth can never be uh, liberated. And and that's the issue that I'm having with this whole thing. You know, we cannot, we don't have liberation there. We don't have people who have a sense of justice there because the entire narrative that they live by is slighted, is skewed, is a fallacy. And they don't know how to turn a fallacy into a truth. They don't know how to correct the fallacy in their lives and... in in the the media reporting this. They don't know how and they're not, you know, the media is not helping them at all. And and while there has been great church leadership, I commend uh, the pastors in the uh, Ferguson area, in the St. Louis area, and all the other churches that are coming in, non-agitating churches, non-agitating groups that are coming in and showing their solidarity, support for uh, some sense, some sense of justice and closure for this family and for this young man. I applaud them. But again, I I, I, I speak to the fact, and I wrote about this. I wrote a uh, a blog, an article, and posted in my blog. You can go there, Lorenzo T. Neal, and you can read it. Uh, we're adding new faces to the pantheon of black martyrs. But what does that I mean? Uh, in the pantheon of black martyrs, we had those symbols, those faces that served as symbols of the injustice we, we, we face as the oppressed people. You had Mark, Malcolm X, you had Martin Luther King, you had John and Robert Kennedy, because those guys were assassinated, supposedly, for their work in you know, trying to make the lives of black people better. And the recent trend has shifted. We're no longer seeing faces of martyrs who work for justice, but the faces of martyrs are the ones who have been killed because of some type of injustice. We, we put into the Pantheon uh, Tupac and Biggie Smalls, and they were both murdered, but they weren't, they weren't doing anything for social justice. They were murdered because of the injustice. You know, black-on-black crime is the suspect. Jam Master J. Again, you know, black-on-black black crime is suspended. And now we have those like um, Oscar Grant, uh, who was killed by the officer in uh, Oakdale, and the movie Fruitvale Station is, you know, is based on his story. And we have, um, oh, boy, I can't even, it's, it's others, including the one just recently where uh, the officer had him in a ch- chokehold, and he was saying to the officer, I can't breathe. And, you know, he was murdered, and that officer had been charged with the homicide. And, of course, Trevon Martin and now Michael Brown. Those faces have been added, not because of what they were fighting for or what they stood for, but because of the very thing that was, uh, that was against them, the injustice of the world. And I'm not talking about the legal system. I'm just talking about the injustice of the world, however they saw it was against him, or however we see it. And in the case of a black man, we see it as simply as it being uh, uh, a great injustice. Society doesn't really, and, and I, I know some people might disagree with me, on this, but society seemingly does not care, fully care, about the plight of the black man, or the black woman, or any minorities, uh, for that matter. If you're not a part of the uh, the majority, or you're not trying to uh, trying to assimilate into that, then you you're not. You your life is expendable. For some people, that's hard words, but it's true. Look, I'm gonna um, Gotta take a break. I'm still having some tech problems, so we're gonna get this fixed, and we're gonna come back and uh, uh, talk a little bit more about. Talk a little bit more about Stay with us, don't Friends, there's nothing as soothing as having a sweet aroma penetrate all of your senses. Peacock, the newest candle fragrance by HeCentric, is that aroma. Peacock is a vegan, hand poured candle that fills the room with a soothing aroma that everyone is guaranteed to enjoy. Peacock by Hecentric is the fragrance developed by Lady Jocelyn Sanders that's designed to reflect the glory in everyday life. I guarantee you will not disappointed when you order your candle today from Hecentric. I have one at home and in my office, and I tell you, it's so good. It helps me relax at home, and it helps me concentrate and stay on task in the office. You need to order yours today by visiting LadySanders.com, And while they also pick up a copy of her book, The Encounter, I'm telling you, you will love both. Peacock by He-Centric. Reflecting the glory in everyday life. This is the Quicksilver Cashback Card from Capital One. It's not the Limit to Cash I Earn Every Month card. It's not the I Only Earn Decent Rewards at the Gas Station card. It's the No Games, No Signing Up, Everyday Rewarding, Kung Fu Fighting, Silver Lightning in a Bottle, Bringing Home the Bacon Cashback Card. This is the Quicksilver Card from Capital One. Unlimited 1.5% cash back on every purchase, everywhere, every single day. So ask yourself, what's in your wallet? What's something that's slow that you wish was fast? Turtle. Really? A turtle? Yeah. And what about you? I'd rather be a slow turtle. Well, mmm... I know why. Because when you're slower, you won't have to get in the street as fast and get ran over. But if you're a slow turtle and you're in the middle of the street, what happens? Austin? Exactly. It's not complicated. Faster is better. And AT&T is the nation's fastest 4G LTE network. Those of you who've listened to my show uh, realize that... Uh, about a year ago, a little over a year ago, my computer crashed on me, and I had lost just, I thought I lost just about everything on my computer, all my important files and documents. But then I remembered that I had security. I had my files backed up automatically by Carbonite.com. Now, here's the good thing about Carbonite.com. They have the same encrypted technology that is used uh, for security, uh, e-commerce, transactions, all that stuff. They got it, right? And then they house it in state-of-art data centers, that's guarded 24 hours a day, seven days a week. I wasn't worried because I knew my files were automatically backed up. And here's the good thing. I, I didn't have to worry about retrieving the meter because I could access my files from any computer anywhere in the world. So if, if you, you feel like you're going to lose your stuff, I recommend Carbonite.com because that's the place to go. You don't have to worry about the cost either because they have a price for every budget you can imagine. Not only that, but if you go to that site today, you could get a 15-day free trial right now if you go in today. That's Carbonite.com for all your online backing needs. All they do is back up your files online. They don't do anything else. You can be guaranteed that all of your important documents, everything that you love on your computer will be safe and secure Check them out today at Carbonite.com for your online backup. With the Name Your Price tool, you tell us what you want to pay, and we give you a range of coverages to choose from. Who is she? That's FloBot. She's this new robot we're trying out, mostly for, like, small stuff. Wow. Look at her go. She's pretty good. Pretty good. Hey, Flowbot. Great job. Oops. Flowbot is broken. The name your price tool. Only from Progressive. Call or click today. All right. Welcome back to Zero Day. Again, I'm glad that you're joining with us today. I'm your host, Pastor Lorenzo Neal, and uh, we talked about Ferguson, and I don't want to beat it, a dead mule, uh, however they saying go. goes. Uh, I know people are passionate about this situation, but as facts are coming out, as more information is coming out, we're learning, you know, we're learning more, and we, we're, we need to stop being so quick to judge and rush to judgment, but that's a, I digress, that's a media thing doing that, media wants to have sympathy and ratings, so that's what they're doing, but anyway, so, uh, you know, just keep that town lifted in prayer, the city, and urban areas like that, particularly in Chicago, where there's plenty of more lives being taken by the hands of our own, than by any other cops, you know, so. And also, it 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 just is, is again. I say it agrees me, but you can read my blog, and what I had to say about it on com and other stories I've shared, all of that. Also, if you want to leave your comments, feel free to do so. The Zero Network on Zira, on our Facebook page, uh, Zero Network. Hit me up at my email, pass at Gmail.com. Uh, excuse me. However, you want to do that. That's what we are here for, to get that dialogue open and going. And I appreciate the dialogue and commentary because it is something wonderful for us to engage in. And so that's it. That's it. So let's get into the topic of the day, the topic of the day, the problem of single pastors. And I can talk about that because I am a single pastor. And if you didn't know, now you know. (laughs) But uh, particularly... One single pastor has made news, and he is currently one of the stars of the uh, reality show Preachers of L.A. He's a notable pastor, uh, prognosticator of the gospel, one of my, uh, I, I, I love to hear him preach. I I wasn't aware of a lot of the stuff that what he was about, but let me just, we're talking about Bishop Noel Jones, and Noel Jones is causing, I guess you could say, a little bit of controversy because he is a single preacher, and the single preacher is having a time of his life being single, although he is in a committed relationship with uh, a girlfriend of, guess this, 19 years. It's something, you know, so... Uh, on recent recently, on uh, uh, Bishop Jones shared with uh, radio station B one hundred and three in Atlanta uh, that he defended him, his relationship status. Uh, he went on to explain that he was in no rush to wed his longtime girlfriend Loretta, and they've been apparently they've been a couple for uh, over a decade, nearly twenty years. Some one report says sixteen years, one report says nineteen years. But either way, for nearly twenty years, they have been in some type of relationship. Uh and he defended him. He said, I'm not in a rush to get married. And then he brought in, as all we preachers always do, he brought in scripture and he said, Paul was not married. And he said the word of God, uh uh said the word of God Many uh, significant Bible characters were not married, and marriage should not be a prerequisite for being in the pulpit. Now, so I'm gonna do a little bit of teaching, and I'm gonna be a, a little bit transparent, and we're going to talk about a little bit more about Bishop Joel, uh, Bishop Jones, and why this is uh, is creating such a stir uh, among the Black Christian Church, among the Black Church. Now. The first reason it's creating a stir is because Bishop Jones, although he has been divorced for over 20 years, uh, I think the report is that he's been divorced nearly 22, 23 years. Um, Once he got divorced, uh, he has been in several relationships, uh, including the one with his girlfriend, Loretta. He's uh, allegedly dated... um, several persons he's allegedly uh dated and impregnate impregnated a uh, a lady uh uh, has a child outside of marriage and um so so you know that that that's why some people are drawing issue with his statement you know he's been with loretta and i call part of the show uh the first season um last year of uh bishop noel jones and uh the preachers of la and uh, um you know uh, you know what <laughs> i even thought about this I, I was a part of uh noel jones he had this uh <laughs> dating site uh he had this late dating site one time and i subscribed to it it, it was him I, didn't go anywhere with it didn't work for me but it was funny i can't think of the name uh was it Faith mate or something like that i will look it up see if it still exists but it was funny this just came to me guys so that that's sporadic but anyway uh he has been linked to some some pretty good women and on the show you know they had the ladies tea or something like that and Loretta was dressed up in a hat and all that thing and they asked her why they weren't married yet because again you know these were all preachers wives and she was the only one who was not preacher's wife well except for Dietrich Haddon's uh, soon to be that was his fiance now wife at the time but uh it, it, it's just interesting to, to, to hear him uh to hear him talk about to hear her discuss why they weren't married and uh the, the the pretty much domain of their relationship and they have an interesting relationship Bishop Jones has uh he bought her restaurant he's a part owner or an investor in the restaurant she has uh allegedly he he bought the car that she drives, or invested in the car she drives. They have a uh, they have a unique relationship. Doesn't say whether it's an open relationship, and again, even in that that in and of itself is something that you know is different for a pastor. It is different because you know when you talk about open relationship, that implies uh, you know sex, and that's the other thing. Uh, that was what was brought up and if you caught the the uh, review reunion show for preachers of l a there that the discussion with Bishop Jones who was not present uh for one reason or another he he was not on the reunion show, but the discussion was that he and his wife or his girlfriend had been together so long and they must have some type of sexual relationship, and that was implied by a couple of the cast members. And of course, Jones was not there to defend himself or even touched on it. He has not responded. Uh, at least it has not been reported that he responded to to that. So the issue, the issue so much with with most people isn't the fact that he's in a long term relationship, is whether they're in a sexual relationship. You know, what kind of relationship is it? That's, that's, that is the issue. And so Paul, he brings up Paul in this argument. And he says that Paul was not married. And 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 there, while, while, while it's clear that Paul does state in 1 Corinthians 7 that he, he was unmarried, let's look at that. Let's, let, let's, let's dissect that. Let's exegete that text. Uh, in 1 Corinthians 7. And this is the only time that Paul ever, Paul himself is the only person who addresses this. Uh, When we learn about Paul in the book of Acts, Luke does not address whether Paul was married, whether Paul was a Pharisee. Paul is the only one who does that himself. In his autobiographical exegete, he says in Philippians that he was a Hebrew of Hebrews, a Pharisee of Pharisees. And um, and first Corinthians is part of second Corinthians he gives a little bit more background about himself but one thing he does put in first Corinthians seven is that he was unmarried and he he says and you know it's not the entire chapter but uh, uh, the entire chapter but particularly uh, he says to uh, I think it's first Corinthians seven and eight verse eight. But it says I say to the unmarried, uh, and to the widows, that they should uh it's good for them to remain as he and I. And then of course he goes on to say it's better to marry than to burn and the lust of the flesh. And uh burning lust. But the word there, unmarried, is is unique in that it's only used in this chapter. It's the only time that you will find that word unmarried Unmarried use and it's only used by one person. It's used by Paul, and the way he uses it, um, it, it, it implies two things. Uh, the Greek word you know, implies two things, and the Greek word for unmarried that Paul uses is is one that is not really used in uh, Koine Greek, but is used by Paul, and it's agamos. And the word agamos refers basically. To an unmarried male, uh, but it does it's not specific as to how that man, how that male became unmarried, whether he was a bachelor, a eunuch, or whether he was a widower. Now, if we go by Paul's, if we go by Paul's information provided in Philippians uh, of him being a Hebrew of Hebrews and a Pharisee of Pharisees, then we can imply that Paul was married at one time. Because there was no way he could have been a Pharisee uh, who was one who was a strict keeper of the law and been single. It, it was, it, was quite unusual. it would have been quite unusual and very much unacceptable because he would have been considered a rabbi. And in Jewish tradition, rabbis are traditionally married. Uh, now, I'm not talking about these days now because you have more progressive and uh, orthodox reformed. Rabbis and women who are Rabbis who are not married and things of that nature so it's different I'm not talking about that but during his time during the first century uh a Pharisee a Rabbi a teacher of the law would have been married so it would be a safe assumption to assume that Paul was at one time married and perhaps was a widower uh, because the way he presents it the language in, the way he presents the language in verse 8 he deals with the uh unmarried and widows and uh, again uh um, the way it's, the, the way it's structured uh, is it's uh it implies that she is a virgin okay the unmarried woman is a virgin, and the widow woman is one whose husband has died now the the flip side of that is that uh it didn't apply to uh, a single man. Uh, as, as a virgin, because a single man, you know, could not been, well, it's a whole different let me, let me stay on on track here, but it refers to, uh, it, it, uh, there, there are some, and if you read throughout that chapter, particularly I think around verse 11, you'll find where, where Paul discusses uh, if she does leave, uh, she should remain unmarried and be reconciled to her husband, that implies being separated, you know, from my husband, and uh, uh, not as a virgin, but a, a woman who's separated, you know, legally separated from my husband. That she and Paul shares this view with Christ that if you marry again, it's an adulterous relationship, which is partially why I have not uh, remarried. Uh, the way I interpret that now, that may be wrong, but you know, that that it is what it is for some people. But anyway, uh, and. and you know it's another interesting thing uh, and i and i just thought about this uh in relating to paul um when he talks about in, uh i think it was in chapter nine of first corinthians um, he 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 kind of asserts that he desires to be married uh in chapter nine uh as he's defending himself first corinthians chapter nine he's defending himself and and he talks about uh He said, if we could be like all the other apostles, you you know, we have the same rights and authority. He was saying, speaking defensively, that he had the same rights as uh, other other apostles to be married. He he had the right to take a wife, a believing wife, I think is what he's quoted as saying, uh, just like the rest of the apostles, like Peter and James, the brother of Jesus. They were married. And he said... He had the right to do so if he wanted to, but he had not chosen to do so. Or by by implication, he has not decided to do so. Uh, so, you know, maybe, you know, if we get psychological and explore um, Paul's, Paul's mindset, perhaps the loss of his wife was uh, uh, very grievous to him to the point where, upon conversion, he had the opportunity to give himself fully to ministry as a means of reconciling, the death of his wife, you know, perhaps that's the case. Perhaps he just was, uh, as Jesus mentioned in Matthew 19, he had become one of the eunuchs who decided that they would be a eunuch uh, for the service of the kingdom. That, and that's how it's been mostly interpreted. As, but that up until the time of his death, Paul had committed his life to the work of ministry, so much so that he so he found that being married and he mentions this of course in in 1st Corinthians 7. He mentions that uh uh finding that being married probably would have been a greater distraction to his ministry and that's why he said if you're going to be in ministry you know uh you you know being married may be proving difficulty because you have to divide your time between your family and your work and I, I know a lot of married pastors that that is the church that uh that is the problem that is the issue for a lot of married pastors. But it, it is what it is now. Um, but the way that the way that the Bishop Jones used it was kind of as arbitrarily saying that I don't need to get married if I don't want to, and I don't need to have uh, this particular person. You know, I'm stringing her along, and for me, I see it as her being string, strong along. She's apparently getting some type of benefit for being in this relationship, whatever type of relationship it is. She's benefiting from it some uh, But, and again, as a way I can understand, you know, it's his personal business. <laughs> if he wants to get married or not. Allow me to be transparent for a moment. I am not married. I have been divorced for 10 years. I have been in a relationship, and yes, in some of those relationships, there was a sexual relationship. It, and I can admit that. Now, and my past, my my members, you know, I'm not saying that that's the case now, but I'm just saying at one time that was the case. Um, but you know, sometimes you can't control your flesh. Not all the time. And those who say they do, they more power to you. Pray the Lord to be able to keep me to be able to do that. But having said all of that, um, divorce is like a death it can have the same uh same effect as losing a partner that you have been married to to death and it can be hard to find the emotional uh resurgence to try to venture out and create another relationship uh but there are those who get divorced with no problem and then find another relationship and I I know plenty Pastors who have done that. Uh, there's some pastors married three or four times, <laughs> and he got three or four different different first ladies, former first ladies, and they probably all show up at the funeral when he die too. <laughs> but the the thing is, the the thing about being single is that it's, it's really about. Uh, Challenging the expectation of membership. Every church that I have pastored uh, has expected me to be in a relationship, married relationship, you know, the relationship that was serious enough to lead to marriage. If they knew I was in a relationship, they were hoping that it would lead to marriage because they wanted a first lady. Even here at the church I serve now, while they're not saying it, they are lobbying some women, to, you know, they're lobbying for a good woman to come. <laughs> you know they they see the ones that that they think have interest in me, and they you know they push. They want them to you know, pursue, and they want me to fall in love and get married, and they'll have a first lady, because the pastors before them before me had you know they had wives apparently. But the challenge to that is you know, to to that is reflecting you know part of the trend is 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 reflecting part of the trend social trend is happening. You have a lot more single pastors, male and female, particularly female. And I applaud the females who are pastors and single. I know several. uh, uh, In our denomination, we have a plethora of single women pastoring. Um, And that's also, uh, it's a challenge to them because, you know, you got men in the church that, that get thirsty. Y'all don't know what thirsty means. They get hungry. They 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 get lustful toward their pastor. And women, you know, tradition, hey, you might as well admit women have probably have perhaps been like that in the past, but it's great. It's growing now with with the men and these single women. Um. Let me share something with you because I I I, was, I lost my track my train of thought, but I was I was reading this and let me share this. This is uh some words, some comments that uh that um that that uh, Bishop Jones has shared, and others others have said this uh, shared this sentiment that looking into the personal life of the pastor. Kind of undermines the mission of the pulpit, you know. If you get too too concerned about a person, the pastor's personal life, where you begin to try to interfere, then it undermines what they can, uh, or, you know, their work in the pulpit. It, it. I can't speak to that. I, I, you know, my members. I've never had too many nosy members. <laughs> I've had some, but not. But listen to what he says. Um. Um. In response to the coming under fire for this long-term relationship, Bishop Jones, uh, says, you know, he's the victim. He says, I'm the victim in this situation. We've been friends for a long time. It's funny that man cannot have a kind of intimate can have uh, cannot be friends with a woman and not marry her, as though she's some kind of inanimate object who you just simply decide I marry you and she has to fall in line. It seems to me that if she has her own mind, and she decides not to, then that's up to her. If she intimates, if she intimates that she wants to, when well, we started out not intending to, then now I have to make a decision. Now, that's a that's a mouthful. And, I, and again, I can empathize and sympathize with Bishop Jones, because you're talking about grown grown people here, adults. You're talking about adults who are in the twilight of their years. Uh, well, maybe that's. Ooh, that's offensive because I, I, I kind of unhandedly calling them old. <laughs> no, you know, don't do to get into that. No, but but what he's saying is, and, and I kind of understand what he's saying. Maybe I'm wrong about this, but you know, he's saying that if she wanted to, she would have made it known by now and if you caught the last show the i mean if you caught the show last year uh, you saw that they had that discussion and i you know, i didn't see all of it i only saw the brief uh moments of that but they had the discussion and, and she did bring it up about marriage and he deflected it and um uh, but it does appear that you know she's she's probably feeling a sense of pressure more so from the show than others other times perhaps, uh, because of his infidelity. But then again, if they've just been friends all of this time, whether he's been unfaithful to her or not is questionable. Because you got you know, again, they are the ones who are defining the parameters of a relationship. You know, they could be friends with benefits. They could be lovers and friends. They could be romantically on, you know. They could be just acquaintances that have to have intimate moments with each other. I don't, you know, I don't even know how to put it. You know, I can't define it for them. Me personally, I've had occasions with uh, of all of the above, and none of them have been as, uh, as, as um, fulfilling. So that my desire to have a fulfilling, meaningful relationship is. Is driving me to pursue a woman. If that's driving me to pursue a woman, then the only thing is, you know, I'm going to choose to marry her because I want to, not because I feel pressured to. When I first got married, I married out of pressure. Uh, both internally and externally it was internal pressure to be married you know the desire to be married I was at the age that I felt I should be married to the external I was at a church where people wanted to see their pastor married and and so what I did is you know I found a woman that I thought fit my qualifications (laughs) fit what I thought would be the good woman for the pastor you know the good youth pastor the good the good preacher needed a wife and she fit the bill and we both, uh, at the time, believed that God had put us together, and we followed through with it. and And it did not end well. well I mean, it ended, you know, ended amicably, but it, it ended in divorce. It has not been long term. So I can empathize with with Bishop Jones. Um, I think the issue that most people are having is, and it goes back to what I said before, what type of, what are the parameters that they have? Should the, the people want to know the parameters. They want to know, are these, is this a couple that these partners only, Or is this a couple that, you know, the bishop is having sex and, you know, he's showcasing her as his woman without committing to her as his woman? Yeah. And, and, uh, that's the thing we, that everybody wants to know. And part of it, I think he should he should disclose to a degree, you know, the parameters of the relationship. You know, he's saying that they are friends. Well, let them be friends. If they're not, if they're more than friends, then let them be more than friends. And let them dictate how they would go about making their friendship into more. But you know, when you talk about something close to twenty years, most men know what they want from a woman within the first six weeks, or well, sometimes the first day. You know, if there's only going to be a sexual relationship, that's what they're going to do, and they ain't going to bother chasing after you after that. And that same kind of relationship. Uh, most men, they are committed. You know, committed for. I get this all the time because I have not been in a serious relationship. relationship. Since I've been divorced, I've gotten like, "Well, you, uh, you, you scared of commitment? Yeah, I'm scared of commitment, but I'm scared most of all of uh, committing to the wrong person, and secondly, committing a vow and then breaking the vow. I've done it already, and I just don't, don't feel like um, that is the case. What I do want to feel is that, um, what I do want to feel is that I'm being led by God. In finding someone who could support me personally As well as support my ministry And enhance me as a man Make me a better man And maybe that's not the case with him and Loretta Huh, When I think about Loretta I think about the Cleveland show <laughs> It's random though Maybe that's not the case with him and Loretta Maybe he is still in the search For that kind Or oh, maybe He is following scripture And the admonition of both Paul and Jesus to stay single, um, because he is he is of the apostolic faith and you know. And I'm not quite you know, they bury on teaching of uh, divorce, but they if they are adherence strict adherence to the scriptures, then he is probably following the scripture by not being married. And, you know, because scripture does say if you marry and again you go to the book of reading the scripture and you find them in red, Jesus said it. <laughs> That uh, if the man commits, uh, marries again, he commits adultery, and that's you know that's that's how it is. But then again, Jesus also said, if we look at the woman that have lust upon her, we have committed adultery also. So uh, it's a tri- it's slippery slope. But again, I go back to the women, and then I'm, uh, I'm, we'll be ready to get going out of here to, for the day. I, I I go back to the women because this is a growing trend where you have single women serving as pastors. And these single women are not just single in stature, but they also have you know their their mothers, so it's a greater challenge for them and i the men- the women that I know who are single and in the ministry a particular pastoral ministry, these women are serious about it you know it ain't hard for them to get a man; they could get a man if they wanted to because all of them are attractive at least the ones that I know are all attractive, but they are choosing to place the effort into seeing their ministry, you know, doing the work of the Lord, just as Paul admonishes in, in the scripture that we quoted before. Uh, he does that. And I could see where that is, where he is following that lead. But if he's single just to be single, just to do it, just to be doing it, then it amounts to nothing. So having said all of that, I wish I had some people to call in. There were several persons who made comments uh, on my Facebook page and some who made comments um, um, on ages and uh, other comments, other uh, other spots. I, I just want to commend you for that. Uh, thank you for sharing. But um, I wish we would have had a great dialogue. I, I would have enjoyed hearing some of your feedback. But you can do so, again, on Facebook page, your network, leave your commentary there about this show. Um, and as always, you can catch up any, any, Archive show uh, as far back as we have been doing it. You can catch up and listen to it and share your thoughts. Follow us on uh, Twitter. Follow us here on the Go to the Show page and like the page. Subscribe to the page and get updates and all of that. But we always always appreciate you and the Lord being our help. We will come back next week with another good topic and um, whatever He has shown for us. But this is my time is <laughs>